T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. No better person to ask about all of this than host at WEI, one of the guys from Ordway, Merloni, and Fourier, former Boston Red Sox infielder himself, the legend Lou Merloni, joining us this morning on a hump day. Lou, great to have you on the program. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. What would uh, you do, bro? What would you do if you were seeing this stealing sign scandal going on in your dugout? Would you participate? Would you not participate? Would you sound the alarm? I heard sort of what Ross was saying. Um, I'd probably participate, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, listen, when I was playing, we didn't have the video cameras that these guys have right now because of instant replay. So what we would have was just a camera feed of a game. And in the middle of games, you'd be watching early in games, you'd be watching opposing pitchers, and you're trying to figure out what kind of tips he has, to try to figure out what he's throwing. That was just something you did. Now, they have specific cameras in on the catchers, which is something that we didn't have. Uh, the issue is, is that, you know, if they come out and they tell you that, hey, this is illegal, we got to stop doing this, uh, would you continue to do it then? See, then I'd probably be sitting there saying, okay, now we shouldn't be doing it. But before this whole memo came out in 2018, I'd probably be right in that room helping decode everything. Lou, is this, is this in your mind, taint the World Series that the Red Sox won? You know, I think it, it, listen, it taints the whole year. There's no question about it. But when it comes to the World Series, you know, if you read that report with Drellick and Rosenthal, the fact that they had an in-person league official, you know, in those rooms during the postseason, um, teams you play during that postseason, I believe, are all looking for advantages as well. I don't think it does once you get into that postseason. You beat those teams. You beat them up, and that was just the way it was. So, to me, when you get to the postseason, I find out that I got an in-person league official in those rooms that's not allowing us to do it, and you still go out there and win, I think that's good. But I totally understand. Listen, we're from Boston. We understand how this whole thing works. Everything is tainted in the eyes of a lot of people. And to be honest with you, a lot of Red Sox fans, they have a different feeling about this Red Sox team than they do the Patriots. They're all over them. They want Alex Cora fired. They want him banned. Meanwhile, they'll jump in front of a, a train for Bill Belichick. So it is a different opinion so I think a lot of Red Sox fans do believe that it is tainted. I just don't because I think in the postseason it was clean. Well, wow, that's interesting. I want to hear more about that. Where do uh, the fans, the callers, rank and view the scandals now that you've had from Spygate to Deflategate to Spygate 2 and now the Alex Cora stealing sign scandal? Uh, how do they rank those and how do they react differently to them? If you can elaborate a little more on that. Red Sox fans want Alex Cora banned for baseball for life. They, wow. I, I've heard an awful lot for the last you know, couple of days that he got caught cheating. A memo was sent to him. He continued to cheat. It was arrogance. People lost their jobs. Games were won and lost. They affected careers, and they won championships. Alex Cora needs to go. And I asked a simple question. Are we still talking about Alex or Bill Belichick? And the response is, well, it's different. No, it's not. It's really not. But Patriots fans in this area can't face that fact. So 
the reality is, is the Red Sox have a perception problem in the city. They are not well liked. The players don't communicate to the media. The owner don't, doesn't communicate to the media. The owner owns a Boston Globe that writes stories attacking the New England Patriots and covers up anything to do with the Red Sox. New Boston fans don't enjoy that. They don't think there's transparency with the Red Sox, and they think that there's a little bit of rivalry. And because of that, Patriot fans, which they're more of in this area, as of right now, because of what they've done the last 20 years, don't like this organization, and they think they should pay the price. So they will kick Cora. They want him banned for life. They will stick by Belichick. They will stick by everything the Patriots do, no matter what. And that's just the way it is here. Wow. Lou, I'm really surprised. Um, I I was there in 05 and 06, and I felt like the Red Sox were such an institution at that time, and people loved them. And the Patriots, you know, they'd already won three Super Bowls at that point, so people loved the Patriots. But to hear you say such a stark contrast between how they feel, I didn't realize – how they evidently feel about the Red Sox. How long has that been going on? Well, I think, you know, it changed in 04 when you won the World Series, right? They were there. It was a pinnacle. You know, Boston Red Sox win the World Series. And then they were very successful after that. But there were a lot of things, you know, I think that have changed it. You know, 2011, the collapse, the chicken and beer in the dugout. Um, There's a lot of things, you know, they changed Yaki Way and Jersey Street. There's just a lot of politics that have gotten involved and again i think one of the worst things john henry of the red sox did was buy the boston globe he owns a newspaper and i think that's a that's that the perception of that is not a good one so there's been a lot of things pr wise that the red sox have done i think brass in that organization has to face the reality that they're not the most popular team in this town other sport teams have won in this town it's no longer a red sox town first off it's a winning town whoever wins you follow but I think it's been going on now for some time, and I would probably say, you know, 2011, 2012, in that area, the PR just hasn't been good for that organization. This is stunning to me. You have blown my mind because uh, we're talking to Lou Morloney, host of Ordway Morloney and Fourier, former Boston Red Sox infielder. I was there 04 to just about 2009, and I guess things have changed since I left town because when I was there, I had never seen a city so committed to one organization. When it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday night midweek game against the Rays, I saw old ladies, young kids all watching games and paying attention to everything. I had never seen devotion like that. Wow, I guess things have changed since I left town. I want to ask you, though, about the absence of of blame towards the players from Houston to Boston. We've heard a lot about AJ Hinch, Jeff Lunau, and now Alex Cora. We're not hearing a damn thing about Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benatendi, Jackie Bradley in Houston, Correa, Altuve, Bregman, Springer. Why is that? Shouldn't we be talking more about the players? These are grown men pulling off this scandal, cheating their opponents. Well, I would agree. This is like arresting the doctors in the steroid era and not criticizing the baseball players for taking it, right? So part of it is MLB, Manfred sent out the memo saying, if this happens again, I'm coming after the GMs and managers, you know, and sitting there and an MLB PA saying, if you come after a player, I'm going to throw this memo in front of you and you're going to have a fight because you told us you were going after GMs and managers. 
But I would agree, this is, is somewhat of a scapegoat situation. Astros fans, Red Sox fans, would rather be upset with Alex Cora than Rafi Devers. Red Sox fans, you know, Astros fans would rather be upset at A.J. Hinch, you know, for creating this than Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. You know, we need evil and we need the good guys. So I, I think part of that is in play as well. You need a scapegoat. You need someone to blame. Don't blame the players. Blame the one guy we can get rid of. Um, so it is It is amazing that, you know, these players benefit from it. They get completely left out of it. Um, meanwhile, all of them right now are probably sending messages to Alice Core and A.J. Hinch saying, hey, sorry, dude, you're a good guy. I really liked you. You know what I mean? They're just sort of sitting there and letting everybody wear it. Yeah. Um, Lou, how much do you think they benefited from it? I mean, I, I've heard the trash can thing. Like, I can't, I can't quantify that. How much do you think those guys benefited? Can you put it in the numbers in some way? You know, it, it's I, I think what the Astros did, I think there's more of a benefit strictly because you got a catcher that doesn't realize he's getting preyed upon. You know, he's putting down one finger. You know, fastball, no one's on base. Fastball, curveball, changeup, no one's on base. When a guy's on second, there's a reason why it's multiple signs. There's a reason why teams change signs. You know, so when you're not realizing it and you're banging the barrel, Although I would still say come postseason, I don't know if you guys have been to a playoff game or not, but when your team is hitting, you tell me whether you can hear a barrel or not. I think it's impossible. So, But still, this is what they were doing. You heard the videos. With a man on second base, I don't think people realize how hard it is to steal signs, especially if you're dealing with a team that's somewhat aware and somewhat professional. You know, after the third, fourth pitch of a guy on second base, if we think they're there too long, you switch to signs. Now the guy's on an island. As a hitter, you better be damn sure you know what the pitch is if you're going to relay it to me. Because if you tell me it's a curveball and it's a fastball on my chin, then we're going to have a problem. And I'm never going to listen to you ever again. So in that report, like they said, there were some Astros guys that said, you know, it's too confusing. I don't want to know it. So I, I can see where some guys didn't want anything to do with it. But when the man's on second base, it really is hard to determine what the right sign is. you got to wait a pitch or two to make sure you've got it. By the time you've got it in that third pitch, you might give him a pitch. And by the fourth pitch, the catcher's sitting there saying, you know, one, two, you know, we'll go back to the second sign, the third sign, the outs plus one, strikes plus one, follow the two. And as a guy at second base, you have no clue. So it's it's difficult, which, which brings you to the whole fact of how stupid this really was. How much did you really benefit from this and was it all worth it? Talking to Lou Merloni, former Red Sox infielder, host of Ordway, Merloni, and Fourier. We talked to Brad Lidge yesterday, former Phillies World Series champ and Astros pitcher himself. He said in his estimation, between five and ten other teams at the time were also using some form of technology to steal signs. Would you agree with that? Where, where would you put that number? It would be just pure speculation. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's hard to believe, you know, that other, other teams aren't doing it. Um, but it would be pure speculation. You know, I mean, it's, it's, there's so much, we live in an era where now it's about analytics and you're looking for the casino edge, you know, the small edge. I, I don't know that he's going to hit the ball here every single time, but the probability is I'm going to increase my probability and my advantages and I'm going to put a guy there and everything else. So it's hard to believe that teams aren't sitting there saying, well, what else, uh, what other edges can we get? Let's look on the fringes. Let's figure this thing out. Um, it's just, Always looking for an edge. This has been going on in baseball. It's been going on in sports all the time. How can I gain an advantage in this thing? So, you know, I go back. We, we were playing sound the other day with, with Red Sox. And I know Carlos Beltran was one of the names, which is very interesting. 
you know, and what the Mets do here moving forward. And Cora had said that one of the biggest acquisitions for the Yankees last year was Carlos Beltran. You got into it as far as, you know, he pays attention to details. He knows how it works. I know how it works. We got to shore some things up. We're tipping pitches, our sign sequence, you know, and then now he's with the Mets. So it's obviously he's not going to bring this thing here with the New York Mets, but all it takes is a couple of guys that come out that are scorned, that aren't happy, that are a different organization. And next thing you know, it's another organization that's going through this as well. Lou, what's a bigger topic right now in Boston? Is it Brady and what's going to happen with him? Or is it just Cora Red Sox stuff? It's Cora Red Sox right now. You know, I'd say for the last two days. Um, it was looking like we were going to get three and a half months of Brady every single day <laughs> until this thing broke. So this is a little breather, you know, a little break from it. But I think um, we'll see what happens with this. This is now another story. But I think because it's so new, it's now core. But still, that Brady thing is something that's going to last, I think, right up to the end. All right. Well, then let's further that discussion a little bit. We heard from uh, the Greg Hill show yesterday that the suite at Gillette Stadium had been cleaned out, that the Brady family had moved into their home in Greenwich, Connecticut, which was already going to happen. And my estimation doesn't the home part of it doesn't change anything. Here's just my guess, because I'm the same age as Tom Brady and I know how much influence my wife yields over the home that (laughs) if Tom goes and plays somewhere else. I feel like he may be doing that himself. They made their home in Greenwich, Connecticut. I don't think they're picking up their kids, their life, and going to Indy or going to L.A. or going anywhere else. Where do you think this thing is headed, and how might he make the decision? Does the cleaning out of the suite matter at all? I don't look much of the cleaning out of the suite, to be honest with you. I, I, I think this really comes down to, you know, obviously the both sides, but I think Bill Belichick wants to move on. I think we've seen the way he's put these teams together the last couple of years. You know, we always talk about him getting rid of a guy a year too late. I think he's pushed the envelope with Brady, you know, and I think um, Brady has exceeded his expectations and he stuck with him. But I think his job is to get where they are right now, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, you know, build this thing again, which he seems like he's already done kind of three different times during this little 20-year span. And if that's your job to build it for three or four or five years, you know Brady's not your guy. And and I know there's financial ramifications, but that might be just for one year, you know, a, a $13.5 million salary cap. I think he looks around the league and he says, you know, these guys are moving out of the pocket. They're able to make things happen. These, these younger athletic guys out of college can't – the precision offense with Tom, it's too complicated. They can't figure it out. Look at our offense this year. So I just – I feel like he can grab a bridge guy, and there's a lot of those names that are out there, and make them a better quarterback than where they've been and still be competitive for a year or two until he finds the next guy. Lou, last one for me. Uh, We're still waiting on the results of another Boston cheating controversy. We're waiting Mm -hmm. to see what the NFL says about that Bengals video. What's been your take? Are you, are you buying what the Patriots are selling, or do you think they're full of crap? I don't think that taping had anything to do with football operations. However, it doesn't matter. that This is going to be a stupidity fine. That's the way I look at it. This is going to be a fine. This is going to be a draft pick. Probably fifth-round type of situation. Um, because I don't think, you know, that... I, I, 
I don't think that Bill Belichick sent this guy out there. This was a, for a documentary. However, it doesn't matter. Like I said, this is a stupidity fine. You can't be feeling the New England Patriots for the love of God. You got to know where and when you can't tape from. I mean, come on. This is what we're talking about here in Spygate. But I guarantee this, the Patriot fans here, boy, I'll tell you, they'll rally the troops <laughs> like no other. But they'll get something. They'll get something. But I don't think this was real Spygate 2. This was just a documentary. Interesting. One final question. It's one we started our program with to much to my surprise, and, and, and this will surprise you. So you're going to have to take a minute to let it marinate. Probably Ross right. Tucker started this program, Lou, by saying uh, the one television character he just might punch in the face if he saw out there on the street is David Schwimmer, Ross from Friends, because Ross ruined the name Ross for Ross Tucker. <laughs> is there another character, Lou? whether it's television or film. I don't know if you're a violent guy like Ross Tucker and you mm -hmm. might not punch him in the face, but is there someone you might yell at, you might at least push physically or verbally mm. accost if you saw them in public? Oh, man. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think, you know, I, listen, I like, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. You know, I, I like them a lot. So I, I do. And even though I had some issues maybe with Ben in the past, but that's in the past. But after <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, it's like the accent that was a little bit too much. You know what I mean? That's one of those things where I think it'd probably be Ben. I think he knows why. We've had some issues. But still, you know, the accent was so bad, especially in the batting cage scene, when it's like, oh, we're going to mess with some Harvard kids. It was just, it, it made everybody just look worse than we already, than we already sound, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's a good one. Ben Affleck, I think, would probably make a lot of people's list, quite frankly. You know, I mean, he's he's had a few few moments that make you want to punch him in the face. But I, I think he could probably throw a few blows, though. I mean, you'd kick his ass, but Affleck <laughs> might take me. You know, I mean, Affleck might take me, so I might I might not pull that off. Because he looked like he could throw a punch in that fight in Goodwill Hunting, you know? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, there's, there's no question. He's got that big tattoo in his back now. I don't know what he's doing, but I'll have to call Russ up and be like, you know, come on over and help me out. Russ, you can help me out, right, with that guy? You can rough him up a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, although, you know, all the, all his buddies from Southie, they'll get the bats out. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, they'll this start beating true. some asses with bats. All right, Lou Maloney, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Appreciate the time, my friend. Come back on anytime. All right, guys, anytime. Thanks a lot. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com. 